Welcome to Night of the Living Geeks. If you geek out over it, we've got a podcast for you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 2 of the Pincroft Pod. This first season of our podcast is all about us watching baseball movies that I somehow have not seen. So if you're listening to this podcast, you either love movies, you love baseball movies, you love baseball, or you love us. We're going to be talking about the 2011 movie Moneyball. My name is John, and joining me is my lovely fiance, Lauren. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm I'm okay. I'm an emotional wreck. You after, sure are. After watching Moneyball. <laughs> um, you this, really are, though. Yeah. This yeah. is, um, I mean, spoiler alert, probably one of my favorite movies for a number of reasons, which we will get into. We sure will. Yeah. But before we get into all of that, we're going to review the 2011 baseball season. The World Series was won by the St. Louis Cardinals. Oh. Uh, they defeated the Texas Rangers in Game 7 of the World Series, so they won the series 4-3. to three. The rookies of the year were Craig Kimbrell for the Atlanta Braves and Jeremy Hellickson for the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, the Cy Youngs were Clayton Kershaw for the Dodgers and Justin Verlander for the Detroit Tigers. The MVPs, and this might sound a little familiar from our first episode, they were Ryan Braun from the Milwaukee Brewers and Justin Verlander from the Detroit Tigers. So not as rare, I guess, when we were talking about pitchers who win the Cy Young and also are the MVP. Not as rare as it actually is. And the managers of the year were Kirk Gibson for the Arizona Diamondbacks and Joe Madden for the Tampa Bay Rays. And the Hall of Fame class was Roberto Alomar, Burt Blylevin, which is probably one of my favorite baseball names. I don't know why. And uh, Pat Gillick, who was a, I believe he was an executive for a baseball team. I can't remember which. Sorry, Pat. So an interesting fact about the 2011 baseball season was the there were two games that were game 162 that sealed the fate of four teams. So two were getting in, two were not. Uh, the games that were played were deemed so exciting that the following year, Major League Baseball added two wildcard teams. And then from that point on, there was a one-game playoff between the two wildcard teams because one-game eliminations were deemed very exciting. So, well, yes, and, and they are, and also disappointing uh, for some of us <laughs> in some years. But <laughs> that's fine. Totally fine. Whatever. What do we got for the year in movies for 2011? So some 2011 movie facts. Uh, the Oscar winner for Best Picture was The King's Speech. Never saw it. No, I also didn't see it. <laughs> Season four. It's Colin Firth, Jeffrey Rush, and Helena Bottom Carter. Mm -hmm. The highest grossing film of that year would be no surprise to, I think, anybody Harry Potter and Death and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Mm, mm -hmm. So the conclusion of the Harry Potter films, yes. which was ruined very painfully in theaters for me, but we won't get into that on this podcast. All right. The biggest flop of the year for 2011 was uh, Mars Needs Moms. Holy crap. That was a Disney movie. Mm -hmm. um, I remember it, the trailer for that. Yeah, it cost $150 million to make. It's too much. And it made... 39 million. Wow. 
So it's actually one of Disney's uh, top five flops of all time. That's amazing. Yeah, it's uh, it was a doozy of a year. Good for them. Right? It's in a, an accomplishment it, in a way. It didn't really seem to hurt them at all. No, they bounced back pretty strong. But like, <laughs> They did okay for themselves, that Disney. But damn, what a loss that was. Yeah. So that was the year. Um, I guess we could probably push right on to some stats about Moneyball. Yes. Which we watched. Uh, the description of the movie we watched this week is uh, Oakland A's general manager Billy Bean's successful attempt to assemble a baseball team on a lean budget by employing computer-generated analysis to acquire new players. Sounds uh, about right. Yeah, that's sounds like what we watched. Yes. It was rated PG-13, directed by Bennett Miller. Bennett Miller also directed Capote, which oh. was also starring Philip Seymour Hoffman, yes. who was in this one. But it's funny, I was looking at what he's directed, and he hasn't really directed a ton of feature films. Which is strange, right? It is strange because, to me. This uh, was an Oscar-nominated Yeah film yeah I'm a as little, was capote i believe it was i yeah. believe i feel like that won an oscar i mean i don't know what it was but we can look that up babe you want it i'm doing it right now great it was written by steven zalian released in 2011 the budget of the film was 50 million dollars and it grossed 110 million dollars worldwide there you go as far as oscar nominations it was nominated for best picture actor supporting actor sound mixer editing and adapted screenplay so it... It didn't win anything, though, right? That is correct. It did not win anything, but it was nominated a ton, and I can absolutely see why it was nominated. Oh, yeah. It was a very solid film. Yes. Great performances, very well done. I'm honestly surprised it didn't win anything, but also I'm not looking at exactly what it was up against for that year. Yeah. And that, everyone knows, has so much to do with who actually takes home the Oscar. Mm -hmm. Yes. What did you know about this movie before you watched it, Lauren? We kind of went over it last time. Yeah. The only stuff that I knew about this movie before actually watching it was that Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill was in it. Mm -hmm. It was nominated for some Oscars. Mm -hmm. I actually thought that it had won some, so my bad there. And um, I knew it was about math. Yes. That is... It's about math. Literally it. I knew nothing else. I did not know that it was about the Oakland A's. I did not know that... The Red Sox were referenced, which is my fandom. Mm -hmm. Oakland A's are yes. your fandom. Yes. The Mets, also Billy Bean yes. was on the a lot Mets. Of, a lot, lot of stuff going on here. I'm surprised we hadn't watched this just of our own volition, let alone right. for a podcast. Right. Um, but yeah, so there was a lot that I didn't, didn't know about it. And uh, I thought it was really good. It's probably, while A League of Their Own is another like great baseball movie, Great movie. I think this one does more of a. It, it's obviously a lot of like behind the scenes baseball, mm -hmm. which Dare I love. I say inside baseball. <laughs> it's very insidery baseball. Look at that. Yes. Look at that. And I don't know if it's just because the Oakland A's are my hometown team, mm. or if it's just this. This was just a great combination of filming baseball and just making a film. If that makes sense. Like all the baseball stuff they filmed for, like the streak, all the streak stuff gets me every time. They, mm -hmm. they, they wove real footage and talking heads and all that stuff in so well with uh, the footage they shot and the actual real life footage. I love, that's probably one of my favorite scenes in, I guess, in cinema. It was so good. You know, I think it's so funny that like 
when I was watching it with you, I didn't know if your tears at various points were for good or bad reasons, but I feel like they were for good reasons. I mean, it's like, like Billy Bean says in the movie, like Brad Pitt says in the movie, how can you not be romantic about baseball? It's definitely a very sentimental activity a, slash national pastime. It's a love letter to baseball. It is. In my opinion. It is. It's very, very good. So Jonah Hill's character. Yes. Pete Brand. Yes. That is actually not a real person. What? I'm sorry. Pete Brand is not a real person. The character that he is based off of, there is a real life person named Paul D. Podesta. That's the person that he was based off of. I'm not completely sure why they didn't use his real name. Did Brad Pitt really steal him from the? Yes, all that is Wheeland? true. Okay. This is there was a book called Moneyball that was a bestseller forever. That explains why it was nominated for best adapted screenplay. Yes, and it is a book that I own that I never finished. I would love to. I also own the. Uh, the Bill James book. Is that at our last house or is that back in San Jose? It's here somewhere. So Bill Bill James is the other one that they mention um, a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. And he has a book that quite literally reads like a math book. Mm. Uh, the, the Moneyball is basically Billy Bean and Paul De Podesta. I should know him. He was an executive for the Mets a little later on. Mm-hmm. It's their, their story and, you know, how they go about making a team with with the with the A's using you know advanced stats, which is now like fast forward. This was in two thousand and two. Two thousand one. I'm say, uh, oh yes, two thousand and two thousand and one, two thousand and two season. That everyone's using these advanced stats now, like everybody, so, which is just great. So Moneyball or the experience that Moneyball was based on really did change the whole game. It absolutely did, and. It's crazy because Billy Bean's reasoning in the movie is it he doesn't want the ring. He wants to change how baseball works and how people see it. And it's kind of like, because he, he doesn't think he does, but then there's the scene when he goes to the Red Sox and they offer him the most, he would have been the highest paid GM in all of sports. Mm-hmm. And that, I don't think he took it as a win, but I think after after Jonah Hill kind of explained it to him, like you won, like they wanted you for the most money ever because you did, you changed baseball. And then we all know the Red Sox won the World Series two years later, which brought me personally back into baseball uh, because I had taken a long break from baseball after one of the strikes, I think 92, I can't remember, but. Yeah, I remember as as a New Englander, as someone who was born and raised in New England, a casual geographically based Red Sox fan. Right. Uh, I remember being at my my brother's, I think it was his second birthday. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was at our house on Webster Street. And my Nana came into like the dining room and said, the Red Sox won. They won the World Series. And it was like a big, it was like a huge thing. And she was so excited. Yeah. I don't know. I have that memory like burned into my head. And I was... Very young. I didn't really care much about. I listened to it on the radio at Barnes Noble Westgate in Campbell, California. Nice. It was a huge deal. It was a huge deal. It was like the curse is broken. The curse is broken. The curse of the Bambino is finally gone. Yeah. And Um, I mean, more recently, we had something similar with the Cubs where the Cubs hadn't won. And the thing about that is the GM that the, oh no, that the Red Sox did hire. Instead of Billy Bean. Instead of Billy Bean. Oh no, I'm going to 
butcher his name. He is the he's now the I mean, he's now the Chicago Cubs GM. Now or was when they won or both? Theo Epstein. There he is. Theo Epstein was the GM who won when the Red Sox won the first time. Then he went to Chicago and won when they won. So he's like a hero in two in two different areas of the world where they needed they needed the win. Mm-hmm. Good and they got them. the win. Man, I am looking at this Oscar list and I am so shocked it didn't win anything. Yeah, I mean it was so good. Twenty minutes into the movie, I <laughs> yes. I said this is a really good movie. And then I paused it and said, we still have an hour and 30 minutes left. Like we haven't even, you're saying that already. And I was happy that you were saying that. But I also said, we haven't even gotten to the really like yeah, we great were, parts. We were still in the setup. Yeah. I don't even think he had gotten to Jonah Hill yet. I don't think he had, he hadn't purchased him from. Great from, scene. Yeah. Cleveland yet. From Cleveland. Yeah, I think it was a really overall. I think it was a very, very solid movie. Oh yeah, I thought it felt it felt good. I will say it was. I really enjoyed watching it with someone who is such a huge fan of baseball. Are you blushing? No. <laughs> yes, you are. But I had a lot of questions because I don't. I don't know like a you, lot about. Yeah, the GM, the man. What's the difference between the GM and the manager? Exactly. And like, is technically the assistant GM the manager's boss and right there were, yes. i had a lot of like you know in the beginning billy bean was one of the establishing scenes he was around a table with a bunch of old white men old white men and a um, reoccurring theme. yeah oh i very much noticed the lack of ladies in this movie yeah um but he was sitting at this table with a bunch of scouts uh, but I didn't know they were scouts. Yeah. You know, you they just were like thought they were guys insulting other guys. Yeah, I'm like, what are we doing here? Who were these people? Why do I need to care about them? Who are they yeah. in the the whole universe of Major League Baseball? Um, so I paused it and I paused it many times, the whole movie. Yes. To ask my questions. And yeah, they were scouts. So they're pitching their people who they've been keeping an eye on. Yes. Uh, and that makes so much more sense. So I was, I, throughout the movie, I had questions. So I could probably have figured them out through context clues or just, you know, made wild guesses that might've been right. Yeah. But I was very glad that I could boop, just pause hit pause and, and ask you. Ask and, me. And you knew, I was like, who is that guy? And you'd be like, oh, that's full name. <laughs> oh, oh, great. Cool. This really works out for everybody, I think. Yes. Yeah. I mean- there, uh, for me, like we said, the insider baseball stuff is—it's just so fun. There's a movie that is kind of similar, which is like now that I think about it, is so outrageous. It's a fictional movie about uh, the NFL draft. I think it, it came out like two or th- no, that's wrong. It came out like five or six years ago, and it's very like insidery football, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like unbelievable at how it goes. It might have actually just been called the draft. I can't remember. But I love that. I love it. It's so fun just to see like the cleaning house scene where he yes. just knocks on his door and he comes in. And this is after Jeremy Giambi's dancing in the clubhouse and after a loss, after one of many losses and Billy Bean just clears house. And I think is that the scene where he calls where he calls him Sabi Sabster, yes. which is my favorite line because Billy Bean did not care for for Sabian, the Gen- the GM for the San Francisco Giants. So I love that they kept that in. That's just like a little thing for people that were, I guess, quote unquote, in the know about it. 
Nice. Yeah, I think that that scene in particular was so much fun. It yes. was it was well clearly well written. It was well performed. I mean, across the board, very very well done. Yeah. Um, I love specifically like how confident the the Brad Pitt's character was, Billy Bean's character, yes. or like Billy Bean was. And Jonah Hill was like, huh, 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 what are you doing? You you can't do this. And it was a really, f- it, but like he got pulled into it and then he went along with it. And then he started to believe Billy in these choices that he was making. Right, because Billy b- believed in him. Right. So and, he, you right. know, vice versa. Absolutely. It was a very powerful and it was such a fast paced scene. And I think that was, it was, it was really well done, but it didn't feel like so, it was rushed. It was a fast paced scene, but there was a lot, there's a lot of moments in this movie where you're just kind of sitting around. Like in that scene, he hangs up the phone and we're just hanging out with, with the two of them in that room. And then he goes, why is no one calling? <laughs> I like mean, we're just hanging out there and that's great because it gives it the suspense of why is no one calling him mm-hmm. he's it, made all these calls why is no one calling him back it, is anyone going to call him back it's a moment of doubt yeah but it's also like after him being so gung-ho about it mm-hmm. it's like it's a moment of pause in reflection but that's quickly fixed by the phone ringing yeah by him having very specific evidence that what he's doing is the right thing. These crazy decisions to completely clear house is right. Yeah. I love, I, I mean, all of those scenes I love. I love the, when he goes to tell Carlos Pena has been traded. That's great. Jonah Hill, Jonah Hill's character. I'm sorry. What was his name? In the movie or? Yes. Pete, Pete Brand. Pete Brand. That fake name, Pete Brand. Pete Brand, Paul D. Podesta. Yes. But Pete Brand, yes. Pete Brand. He did a great job because th- there was that scene where Billy said, how would you fire someone? And he said, I'm never going to need to. Yes. And then- This is stupid. Exactly. Yeah. And then fast forward to Pete taking all of the feedback that he got from Billy in that mm-hmm. in that moment of, you know, would you rather be shot in the head or shot in the chest five times? Yes. It's like, that's a great analogy for it. It's like- you don't want to be jerked around. Yeah. Just tell it to him straight. It is crazy that in that scene when, because he's trading Carlos Pena because Art Howe, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, he will not start Scott Hatterberg, mm-hmm. played by uh, Chris Pratt, Chris who Pratt. is absolutely wonderful in this movie. Baby Chris Pratt. Baby Chris Pratt. And he ends up trading Carlos Pena. And in, you know, in the meeting where he, he, I think that's the trade deadline one. Yeah. Because there's two sit down, call other GMs. And I think that's the second one. It might have been the first. I can't remember. Uh, but anyway, Jonah Hill's character says he's a, he could be the rookie of the year. He's an all-star. So I have Carlos Pena's lifetime stats up here. Oh, boy. He was only an all-star once. All right. In his career from 2001 to 2014. Whoa. So he had a 13-year career in the MLB? That is correct. And he was only an all-star one time. He was an all-star once. And when they said he he was going to be rookie of the year, he finished eighth in the voting. Whoa. But that is not to say that he was, I mean, there were a couple years there where he was just crushing the ball. Mm-hmm. 2007 to 2009. Yeah, I'd say 2007 to 2011. He So they, I mean, eventually he became an amazing slugger. He hit a lot of home runs, but I mean, at the time. Sure. Yeah. All right. I just thought that was interesting. So, I was like, did he ever become an all-star? So I had to look it up. fictional character Pete Brand was not wrong when no. he said he was an all-star. 
I mean, not a fictional name, fictional name character. Sorry, right. <laughs> he is right. a real person. Right. Sure. All of this happened, mm-hmm. which is insane. And I mean, speaking of everything that happened, the, the streak. Yeah. Oh, my God. Do they still hold the streak? The streak, I think, is not. The 20 game winning streak. It might not be that anymore. In the modern, oh no, I'm sorry. The Cleveland, in, the 2017 Cleveland Indians won 22 games in a row. 22. Yes. So they I no just, longer hold it, but they did at one point. Just so we can establish, I don't know if we said it, but just in case we didn't, this is set in 2001. 2000. Well, the beginning of the movie is the end of the 2001 season when they lose to the Yankees. Got it. Okay. And then the rest of the movie is the 2002 season. Mm-hmm. And this movie came out in 2011. Yes. So at that so time, we all know timelines. At that time, they had still held the streak, but it ended in 2017 with the Cleveland Cleveland Indians. Nice. Good for them. But I mean, this is like I said earlier. It's one of my favorite. Just I guess it's a montage. It's a very long montage of them winning all the games and then all the the press the you know the newspaper clippings and ESPN and lo- local It's uh, great. All the I, sound bites they use. I yeah. mean all the sound bites they use are amazing and they use the the Oakland A's radio announcers who are bar none. I have to show <laughs> I will show you it and we'll, I'll try not to cry for the 15th time. Oh. They have some of the best Oakland A's calls throughout the years. Like I said, Oakland A's hold, that's me and my dad's team. So, uh, he's going to start crying now. Oh, babe, hold my hand. No. So it means, you know, it means a lot to me. John loves baseball. He loves baseball so much and it's so great. Babe, don't edit this out. Okay. (laughs) Don't do it. Hold my hand again. Don't you edit this out. If you take it out, I'll tell you to put it back in. Okay. All right. It's very cute. Uh, and that's all. So it mean you know it means a lot to me because that's that's my local team that's the team I one of the teams I grew up rooting for. Can I say? Can I ask a question? Yes. Because you're from the Bay. Yes. So you gravitated to the A's because and not dad. the no. Giants. I know you've expressed disdain for the Giants. Yes. To me personally and yes. probably to the world. Yeah. Why? I mean, why the preference? Because because it was your dad's. It's my dad's preference. Okay. So what did your dad? Does your dad actively dislike the Giants like no. you do? No, I just. Why do you? I I just oh boy. Let's get into it. I mean, all now time. that we live in L.A., all of my uh, the Dodger fans are going to be very pleased with this. Uh, I have had always had bad experience with Giants fans as a Mets fan going to games. I have had food thrown at me. I have had people um, uh, check me like with their <laughs> shoulder. You have huge shoulders. Yeah. That's an aggressive stance. Yeah. So it's always been not great. And they have always been fans that I don't know. They have been some of the worst fans, not the shittiest. Got it. That is reserved for other teams. Okay. All right. But I, you know, I have a lot of friends who are Giants fans that are, you know, they're they're very good friends of mine and they don't, you know, treat me like shit. But there's there was that four or five year period when the Giants were just could not lose. They were just winning everything. Mm. And yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's just it's more of a personal experience I've had at that stadium. So I mean, I don't think you need any more of a reason besides that. And people have tried to get my friends have been like, you can come with me and some. And I'm like, I don't want to go to that fucking stadium anymore Mm. because every time it's just a a hassle. Yeah. Is it kind of similar? Do you feel in why you as a Mets fan, won't go to a Dodgers game in L.A.? 
Uh, or is there, do you feel like well, it's, it's too specific of a difference? Because like, why won't you go to a LA Dodgers game? I've, I feel like I have actually said I won't go to any Mets games in if I'm not in New York. I think I've said that. Well, I except for well, cause they won't play the Angels. They'll play the Angels and they'll play the Padres, which I I mean, Padre fans they Padres in down in San Diego. Yeah, they don't really care. Sure, I, <laughs> I mean, mean they are very laxed. I will only go to games with the Seven Line, which is the Mets traveling fan base, because I go with a group of two hundred Met fans, so I feel a little better about sure about doing that but uh why won't i go to a dodgers game uh in 2015 when the mets beat the dodgers in the i think it was the nlds i was here we were gonna go we were gonna try and go but i i remember hearing that undercover cops were dressing up as mets fans and they were getting like harassed to the point of uh mm. yeah so it's just not really worth it so mets fans were attacked in la apparently i yeah. mean they had people, I remember reading that, they had undercover crops dressed up as Mets fans, so. Well, when the world... Shout out to my parents that are undoubtedly listening to this and wondering what is going on. Hi, Pingle. Why is their son swearing so much? Hi. It's because baseball is very important to It's him. very emotional. It is. It is. But anyway, I mean, that's why. So... The cleaning house scene, the trade deadline scene, the the streak was what we were we were talking. I I love love that entire thing, and it's 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 even. I think I love it even more because it's something that you can't like traditionally write. You can write about it, but it actually happened in real life. Mm-hmm. It's just such a crazy thing for this team to be ten games out of first place and then to win twenty in a row. And win as many games as the Yankees did and spend, what was it, over $100 million less? It was very, very well done. It's absolutely nuts. So the score in this movie is great. Yes. Oh, my God. What a wonderful score. Just so great. I'm going I'm to look up uh, who did the score because I want to give them a shout out. Also, Jonah Hill. I don't know if he was doing any improv stuff, like little things throughout, but like that he was great in this movie. I've given him credit for multiple lines when that he, just felt like they were improvised. Do you want this door open or closed? I mean... That was great. Jonah, you get credit for that. Yeah. That just felt really natural and real and <laughs> funny because it was also at the end of a very... Serious scene. I just traded tense. him. You can't play him because I just traded him. I could do this all day. But not just that. It was, oh, and then it was that in. and then let me invite another player in and cut trade, him loose. Trade him in front of you. Yeah. And you can just do nothing but watch. Right. Michael Dana. Michael Dana. What else did Michael Dana do? I don't know, but I want to know. Oh, Onward, The Adams Family... Onward. So yes. he, he is still doing good stuff. That's he great. He is. Very recent stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. The Good Dinosaur. So Disney Pixar. Oh, He's been okay. working with them for a little bit. Yeah. Moneyball. Sure. Uh, Dollhouse. TV series. Sure. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fox show. Uh, he's done a lot. Good um, for him. I'm scrolling repeatedly. Holy crap. Okay. Good for you. Good for you, Michael so I th- Dana. I think another part of this movie that they they touch on a little bit, but it's kind of a subplot, is his relationship with his daughter, which yeah. is just, I think, very cute. Yeah, I think it's very sweet. Also, Robin Wright, who's in oh, yes. exclusively one scene. Yeah, that's it. Um, and then on a phone call. 
That's it. Right. It's like that's a day's worth of work. Good she for her. She was what? Four? Huh? Four on the call sheet? Um, I mean, based on how we watched <laughs> it, she was billed, I think, three or four. Yeah. Amazing. Good for her. I love this movie. It's it's very good. And I will say, I started to get a little emotional as a filmmaker, just because it's done so well. Everything about it. It's really, it's so good. It's so good. And I'm constantly evaluating how things are shot, how mm-hmm. things are edited, how the performance is. It's great. But I think in the time that we're in right now, it also really made me feel like I am very sad that all of that is on pause. Yeah. I think that that was happening to me a lot during this. Yeah. It's the fact that the world we live in is, this is not something that you get to enjoy right now. Yeah. This is not like, I mean, movies are getting paused. They're getting postponed. I had been saving my personal savings to shoot a short film of mine. And I don't get to do that for frankly, a few months at least, let alone, I mean, who knows how long it's really going to be. But it was just really cool to get to sit there and watch this really well-made, really well-made film. Very well-made, yes. Um, In every aspect. I feel like as a filmmaker, I didn't have, I didn't have any notes. The only surprise for me is that this did not end with a winning season for the A's. It never does. <laughs> I mean, it do- well, do you want to go over? It? Let's go over the Oakland A's record since this, since this, uh, I since mean, this movie. Sure, we can. But no, if it- you're asking as a filmmaker, what would you expect? You'd expect this movie to start with this losing team finding a new way to build a team from the ground up. Mm-hmm. And then winning. That's what, like, if this was a fictional story, that's what it would be. But no, instead, it's a real team with real people, except for Pete Brand. Uh, and <laughs> it's not only in name. A, right, right. Well, only in existence, not in name. But it's not, it's, it's hard to describe, but it's like if this were a completely scripted movie they would win in the end but that's not what we get it's not what we, we get. get they lost and brad pitt's character turned down the deal from the red sox turned down 12.5 million dollars turned it down and then stayed with the a's and is still with the a's is still with the a's as the gm yes really yeah all right well i love that yeah but how crazy is that that he's still he's still the the gm that's amazing i love that that's he- great do you know the GM was uh, before him? Obviously not. It was Sandy Alderson who was the Mets GM when they went to the World Series in 2015. Man, is there? I mean, there has to be a reason that your two teams are the Mets and the A's. <laughs> they're they're intertwined throughout history. Not a lot. They but. have to be. So uh, just looking at the A's records from 2002 to uh, last year. They have these waves, where and they are still a team that does not spend a lot of money. Do they have the same owner? Uh, no, it's not the same owner. But he, it, yeah, it's not the same owner. It's a different owner, but still small market team. And you can just see, and it always it always happens with the A's. They have like two or three years where they're. It's just like, oh, it's happening in Oakland again. But they obviously never win the big one, not yet. And then it goes down, and then it goes back up. So they have a lot of spikes, but they're either like really consistent or not so much. But you can see it like every year. It goes like first place, second place, first place, third, fifth, fifth, 
fifth, and mm. then second, sec- like the last 2015 to 17, last place, 2018 and 19, second place. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, that is the tale of the Oakland A's. And it, you know, I mean, it is a, de- it is a bummer that they get eliminated by the Twins at the end. Mm-hmm. And then he stays with, with, he doesn't take the Red Sox deal. Like, it's not a great movie ending. No, but I feel like, honestly, a not great movie ending makes you believe what you just saw for the last yeah. two hours. Absolutely. You know, it's like, well, if the ending sucks, <laughs> then maybe the last two hours that you watched were also, was also based in fact. But that's, uh, yeah, but that's also baseball. It's, it's great and... Sometimes it sucks. <laughs> that's just how it goes. And that's also life that's sometimes. Just, that's life. That's sports. That's pretty much everything. Yeah. So what are we giving this? What are you giving this movie? Uh, I mean. I mean, honestly, uh, on a scale of one to five, a scale of single to Grand Slam that yeah. we do here on Pinkcroft Pod, mm-hmm. I would say Grand Slam. I really felt like it was incredibly well made. Yeah. I was hanging on every scene. Um, the performances were amazing. Yes. Filmmaking wise, very well done. Great choices. Mm-hmm. I am truly surprised it didn't win a single Oscar. It's very strange. Nominated for six, didn't win a single one. Very surprised. Yeah. I will be, after this recording, looking into what it was up against in mm-hmm. each of those six categories. Yeah. Really, really good. I mean, I stopped it. You stopped it at 20 minutes in. And you had said, this is a really said, good movie. This is a really good. 20 minutes in. Uh, I am also going to go Grand Slam. It's one of my favorite movies. Apparently very emotional every time I watch it. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, it's, I mean, it's pulling on your heartstrings of your specific baseball fandom. Yes. So, like, it makes sense that you would be emotionally tied to this yeah. story. Absolutely. Yeah. So, guys, go see this movie if you haven't seen it. It's so good. It's, it's amazing. It's not on Netflix. It is not, but find a way to watch You'll, it. I, I actually, that's one thing I did not mention. I own this movie on Blu-ray. It might be over there. I can't see right now. Nice. But I only buy movies that I love, like, with all of my heart, and I bought it on Blu-ray. Who would? Yeah, of course. People people just buy movies to buy movies. Do they? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it works anymore. To be honest with you, I don't know. With streaming? I don't own anything. I own The Croods, and that's it. Wow. I know. All right. We also have to watch that. We do at some point. We will. We will. Yeah. So next time, next week, we are going to be watching Major League 1 and 2. And 2, baby. I'm not sure how the 2 came in, uh, but I'm fine with it. There is a third, which we will not be watching, apparently. I mean, at least not right for now, the next right. episode, yeah. But there is a third Major I League. I haven't seen any slash all of them, so. Which is fascinating. Yeah, I don't know. And I'm very interested to see, like, what you think of, of these movies. Because remember, Major League is amazing. I've seen the trailer, and that's, like, it. So I'm excited to give it a go. Yeah. So double header next week. Yeah. Oh, a double header. Ooh, baseball turn. All right. So where can the people find you on the internet, babe? Uh, Twitter and Instagram, Bancroft, B-A-N-C-R-O-F-F-E-D, or www.laurenbancroft.com. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at JP Thrice. And just follow notlg.com for any podcast updates. That's where you can find this podcast and a bunch of other podcasts. And I think that's it for us this week. So we still have not thought of a clever sign-off. So just join us next week when we talk about Major League 1 and 2. Bye.
Bye. This has been a Night of the Living Geeks production. For more information and content, visit NOTLG.com.